thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome pilots, you've tuned to the guard frequency because as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 250 of the Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever, recorded on Friday, March 1st, and made available for download on Tuesday, March 5th, 2019, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Henry. And I'm Tony. And I'm running down a stream, going wherever it leads, right Jeff? That's right, Tony. Remember folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at GuardFreak. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so hit us up and tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at Feeds.GuardFrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything on Friday night, you should come join us around 1030 Central as we record Guard Frequency live over at twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? You can always support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us week on week. We hope you'll consider joining them because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Just head over to our website and click on the big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and just about everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping's done, so let's get to the show. What have we got in store this week, Jeff? In this week's flight deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest news from Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, X4, and Objects in Space. Next, we'll get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDonough on Galactic Public Radio. Then Commander Kinetic Impulsor puts on a pair of brown shorts and grabs his delivery clipboard in Nuggets for Nuggets. After that, we continue our audio adventure, Guard Frequency Origins, with two-thirds more exposition and die rolling. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. Speed 175, Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. Elite Dangerous is getting ready to prepare to plan to announce the tentative revelation of the potential plans. No ETAs, no guarantees for the next big update, but not yet, soon, trademark, in late 2020 or so. Star Citizen talks about the new flight model and name checks Kin Shadow in Reverse the Verse. And X4 gets a big update and goes from 1.0 to 1.5 to 2.0 in less than three months. And objects in space, 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 stops being an early access and starts being a regular access. But does it space sim? Strictly speaking, the answer is no, no. probably not. According but, to you guys, it is a simulation of space. I mean, like, yeah, it, but instead of instead of a fighter cockpit, you're like in a submarine conning tower. 
Right, which, which is probably more realistic anyway. Yeah, it is more realistic. And I and I dig submarines. My sixth grade teacher uh, pulled me out into the hallway at school, hmm. and I thought, "Oh crap, what did I do?" And he uh, he gave me a copy of Tom Clancy's The Hunt for Red October. Hmm. And he said, Tony, you're going to love this book. <laughs> and he gave, I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm a Star Wars kid. I'm a Star Trek kid, right? You know, I mean, that, that's the stuff That's the stuff that I thought was cool. Uh, but he gives me this submarine book. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it. And I fell in love with that book. That that's was a, cool. That was, that was an awesome book. So I've always kind of dug Navy stuff and, and submarine stuff and things like that. So uh, the submarine aspect of it uh, excited me. I did buy the early access version of Objects in Space and got it to successfully load, then took a look at the interface and went, I'm going to wait till they finish this up. <laughs> I'm going to... This... This has the this this you know, early access is rough, right? It's the it's the it's the first iteration. It's the first go around. I and some people have gone went to to great lengths to build physical um, uh, boxes and with you know uh, hard rocker switches and stuff and, and and physical buttons to to mimic the interface in this game. So I mean the interface is thought well thought out and it's like cool and chunky. I just didn't have any patience for it at the time. But it looks the I've seen the pictures in an article in PC Gamer. It looks a little bit more polished now. It looks like it's the final final form. So I think I'm going to give it a whirl. And so I'm kind of excited about doing submarines in space. Did you get to check out the new X4, Jeff? Um, I know I have not checked out the new X4 simply because um, Anthem came out. So I've been playing oh, Anthem, yeah. and then uh, I'm in open beta with Elliot right now on uh, Tom Clancy's Division Two. Hmm. The big change that they had for this new version is that you can own shipyards, wharfs, and equipment docks now. So you can now build your own ships, uh, and then uh, and then apparently that means you can actually back a faction now. Because if you can supply a faction with vessels, you know that that, that gives you more of a, a more skin in the game, bigger seat at the table. So uh, that's uh, so for all of you uh, spreadsheet jockeys out there. Uh, that like uh, empire management uh, uh, type things. Uh, this may be. This is just another another uh, another uh, checklist to go through here. They're also going to let you um, uh, work with the Steam Workshop, so you can install mods that way. That's a huge concern, a huge uh, uh, issue for the X4 group, and uh, they've kind of rebalanced the fighting and the economy. Was uh, the other major updates here? But you've got uh, uh, Russian and Japanese localizations if you're interested in that sort of thing as well. They still have that horrible highway system that takes me out of the, the game whenever I watch it. It's like, meh. I, I still that's, buy that's it. been a feature. I don't buy that's it. has been a feature. I know. I just hate it. I don't that's, buy it. The highways. It's been a feature for two versions. It's not like it was there forever. Well, the gates were bad enough. Now we have ho- roads. It's well, bizarre. It just takes me out of it. It's like, man, well, I don't I don't buy it. All right. Well, you know, the, we all have our own uh, version of headcanon of how faster than light travel is supposed to work. So uh, Yeah, the, the, roads, there's, there's, the roads have always bothered me since X3, so... Tony probably loves them. Tony just wants to disagree with us. I do. I, it's it's all it's 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 only about controversy. That is my sole and only purpose here. Just to start. I am more behind the the uh, um, what would I call him the predictable singularities than I am about roads. Hmm. Well, to to each his and uh, or her own, I guess. Uh, they're also th- talking about doing Linux support. That's again kind of a unique feature these days. Not many people do are doing Linux anymore, so there's that. 
so there's a whole big change list on uh, their Steam uh, uh, page. So it's, uh, they've fixed a bunch of bugs uh, and then improved a bunch of things and uh, and then uh, made made a couple changes. So and more changes are coming. So they apparently will be moving to uh, beta on a 2.2 version uh, sometime in the next uh, couple of months. It said here. So very soon after the release of 2.0. So, very soon. They didn't put a TM on it, but they said very soon. So X games always get better as they go. They do a really good job of changing them, updating them. I I will say they do listen a lot to the community. I remember back in X2, uh, when we were really heavy into the modding and stuff, they were so supportive. Well, apparently that's not changing. So, uh, next up, we've got a little bit of Star Citizen news. Uh, The main takeaway here is that uh, everyone loves Ken Shadow. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. I think that's about all you have to say about that. Uh, So he's, you know, uh, his 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 card game uh, uh, apparently is renowned far and wide amongst um, all the people in the know. Now this isn't the card game he just made for Citizen Con this year. This is the old one. This was Van Duel against Humanity, Um, and they were they were playing it and laughing. That was cool. That had to be neat uh, for Ken Shadow. It's a shame he didn't get to be on tonight, but. Yeah, that had to be cool. They said they'd had them for a while, so I guess he's been making cards for a while. Yeah, I think this was... I can't remember... He made it for another Citizen Con. I don't think it was the one... It, it wasn't this last one, because he had a new card game for that one. Uh, that's where he had to submit the art. He submitted the art to him and all that other kind of yeah. stuff. But then, I don't think it was the last Citizen Con before that. I think it was the one before that one. Hmm. If I remember right, that's when he had that one. So, uh, so at least two years old. But, you know... Still relevant, still still fresh, still new. He, he keeps he's, getting he's on the uh, the Star Citizen podcast, man. He's got uh, he got a shout out for his cosplay, for his uh, card games. That's that's cool stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, you know he's a he's a creative force to be reckoned with. So uh, so congratulations to our uh, uh, missing host, and we'll see him hopefully back next week. Uh, then also they are updating the flight model. I guess that's I mean. It's, they are working on that. They're working on the why. game too. They're not just playing cards. I think that that's probably for entertainment value because watching people work on the game is actually, I think, rather boring because it would be a lot of people wiggling a mouse and typing on the screen. So, um, but uh, so Henry, you watched uh, Reverse the Verse and had a had a word or two about turn rates i think yeah i was watching it i mean they're they're talking about reducing the overall speed which they were have been talking about doing um and in doing that people were concerned whether or not they'd be able to you know how it would change ship to ship combat everything slows down so the difference between a fast turning ship and a fast moving ship it's still relatively reduced so the dynamics between them aren't changed too too much i think that's what they were getting at they were saying uh there was worry that people would be able to get into like a blind spot and stay there with a tiny fighter, you know. And they said that's not something that becomes possible because what they've done with the slowing it down, they also reduced the turn rates so that that doesn't happen. Um, but they said that a smaller ship could still do that. I started to say that, and Jeff got a little annoyed off the show, like that was a terrible thing just out of the box. It's terrible that a small ship could outmaneuver a big ship. Um, so I didn't even have a chance to have an opinion on it before Jeff was like, no, that can't stand. So what is your opinion on that, Jeff? Because I'd like to know. I was just being controversial. Oh, well, no. do you think that's, <laughs> that's something my job. that... That's my job. Well, what do you, you think that's something that you should be able to do in a small no, fighter? I, no, I think an agile ship should out be able to outturn uh, a, a larger ship that doesn't have as much agility or more mass. I agree. You know, the, uh, the thing about 
space flight, and, and even though we haven't been up there yet, there are still certain laws of physics that have to have to play a part here. So it, I I'm hoping to see I'm hoping to fly it soon and and uh, kind of give my report after I've I've taken out my Gladius and well it will be out know, after uh, the next elite update so you got a little time yeah you got some time you have you have some you, time you mean to Star prepare. Citizen update no yeah, I mean flight, I mean model. well the flight model yeah but I was saying Star yeah. Citizen's release will be after the next Elite Dangerous oh, update cool. which they announced at 2020 today. And that's yes. not me being pessimistic. That's me talking about the timeline they've established now. So, you know, that's yeah, just the, the way that it'll be. There's 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 time yet to prepare for the new flight model prior to the release of Star Citizen. And somewhere between the flight model debuting in the Alpha and Star Citizen releasing someday will be the Elite Dangerous major update in 2020. But before we get off the, the flight model thing... This what what I find intriguing is that they are moving toward a more elite dangerous sort of flight model. Yeah. Because yeah, it's it's you know that that description of a lower turn rate uh, and the fight and it and and it, the, that sort of like a, that sort of turning fight uh, where you're just chasing a tail. You know, the, the, the literal fur ball trying to turn inside somebody else to get guns on. That is kind of a feature, or it you know it can be a feature of, of some of some fights in, in Elite Dangerous. So, um, and the, one of the solutions that I, I hear, rumor has it, rumor has it. I, this is unconfirmed, speculative rumor. Rumor has it that they're also going to maybe implement Elite-styled gimbaled guns, because the way you fix a turn fight that you're losing in a bigger ship, when there's a little tiny ship who's you know just staying right out of your kill zone. Staying right out of your out of your out of your yeah, I should be able zone. to I should be able to jink around and and you should not be able to in your big anaconda you should not be able to to, to uh, snap my sorry ass. Well, that's why he should equip turrets or gimbals or yeah. something. There yeah. should be a cost for that. Those big yeah. ships facing smaller fighters should be forced to play a defensive game, and it shouldn't be unusual for a big ship to have to run from two two small fighters. You know, I think that would be fine. Um, I don't think there should be some like big god ship that the small ships are just going to get popped when they approach. It's not, you know. Yeah, it. it I, I would. I would say. I would say the number should be three. I would say that that, uh, that if you that two in a, in a big ship and assuming both pilots, assuming all pilots are skilled and everybody's comparably equipped, you know, with either the top end or good medium range, three on one, three small ships versus one big ship. The big ship guy should be looking for his keeping an eye on the exits, right? Go into the fight, but keep your eyes on the exits. Two ships versus one. I think maybe the idea is you you DPS the hell out of one of them and blow them out of the water. You know, unload your alpha strike on them, kill that guy, and then you just you play a turn fight with your gimbal guns for the last one. Yeah, that's probably so, but, true. But but three on one ought to be ought to be a sphincter tightening moment for a guy in a big ship because while you're D, while you're alpha striking the one, the other two are taking out your engines or something like that. So. When 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 designers start talking about the sort of balance between a turn fight between a big ship and a small ship, there should never be a one on one big versus small fight. That should not be what you're balancing for. No, you should be no, balancing for a three. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that scenario. You should be balancing for a three on one. Three ships. Well, attack I don't one know big about one. three, but but yeah, two. Three. I don't know. The, the, I feel the, like the, if they reduce the turn rate of the big ships enough to make it realistic for the big ships and to make it really uh like a 
something to overcome to have a big ship, you know, to have to, you're not going to be able to dogfight in it. You're going to have to sit there like a fortress and take out what comes near you. If they were to do that, nobody would really fly the big ships, I think, because they're, ever, like, most casual players are looking for that turn rate and dogfighting. The only way to get more stats and become godlike is to get a bigger ship. But they still want well, it to handle, like, their fighter. But, but in Star says, remember, we have turrets in the big ship. The, the yes. Connie and the, and the, so with the turrets, that kind of evens the playing field because the, the big ship doesn't have to worry about turn. The turret has to worry about how the ship is turn, it turning. I just mean that the, uh, the difference between the small ship and the big ship's turn rates is not great enough to really matter in a lot of cases. I think a big ship with a boost is going to, you know, match that turn rate enough to get back into combat. He doesn't have to rely on those turrets and things. I think that's just a product of them having to walk a line between making the capital ships fly kind of like capital ships, but also appeal to casual gamers. I like I like flying my cutter. I do like I'll I'll. Uh, I love my cutter. Yeah. I, but see, cutters and anacondas do not turn like a cutter and anaconda should turn. My anaconda turns pretty damn quick, considering how big it's supposed to be. I mean, you're turning with something the size of a building, and it turns around in seconds. You know, it's pretty quick. It is, but but again, but I think, but I, I do think that they balance it for the three-on-one fight. I also think that a cutter and an anaconda are more medium-sized ships than big ships. I, I don't consider them large. Cutter's ships. a pretty big ship. How big is a cutter in reality? Like the actual size of the thing? What's it supposed to be? Two hundred and forty meters long. I'm glad you is, knew that. Very impressed, yeah, well, sir. You're welcome, because I fly that thing, and I love that thing. That and so yeah, it, they they have they have size comparisons and stuff. I mean, it is a big. It's a big ship. Yeah, it's a it's big a, ship, Jeff. I don't think that it's a, really. It's, it's a big ship. It's a big ship. Yeah, there's, but the but the point but the point the, the overarching thing is that when they do the flight model, they need to make sure that they're balancing for a fight, which is I'm going to use the word realistic, even though it's not. It's realistic in that. Uh, you take the odds, right? You know, a three-on-one fight should be probably about even. Uh, a two-on, a two-on-one littles versus big, that ought to be strongly in favor of the big guy. One versus one, the little guy should be running. Uh, and four-on-one ought to be a cakewalk for the for the little ships. One of them's probably not coming home. <laughs> one of the little ships probably ain't gonna make it back, but uh, they're gonna win the fight. Uh, so it's just a matter of uh, who's taking the who's taking the space walk home. Uh, for, <laughs> for, for, for one of those so. guys, yeah. No, the four on one, the four on one ought to be ought to be easy, but one of them's going down. Uh, speaking of going down, after much chatting and talking about great big plans for Beyond the Beyond series, uh, you know, fascinating and wonderful, exciting, many resources devoted, uh, an exciting new era for Elite Dangerous. Come to find out, that exciting era is not scheduled to arrive until, well, a long time. It'll be a race to see whether uh, Elite's next update uh, gets out before uh, Squadron 42 goes out. Really? Is it family-friendly if I say this is bullshit? Can I say that on the show? Like, that sucks, man. We only bleep the bad oh, words because it's funnier sucks. that way. I think it's funnier to bleep words like Well, bullshit. then it's bullshit. Because that okay. sucks, man. Because, you know what, they showed us all these planets, they talked about carriers, and then they're like, oh, we're going to push that stuff off for a little while. They mean push it off for like a long while. That's like crazy. Forever while. Well, yeah, that's here, not here's cool. a here's a secret, Henry. 
Star Citizen bought Elite Dangerous. I doubt that Star very Citizen. seriously. Yeah, you know what? They acquired oh, the flight yeah. model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm kidding, but but they are taking a page out of out of uh, Star Citizen's uh, uh, little. Let's be a little more. Let's let's get down to some brass tacks here. So the the they have not announced any features. So we've been speculating that the carriers and the planets are have been pushed back. They were removed, supposedly, you know, the, the storyline was they were going to be for the final uh, release of Beyond, the one that came out in December. They got pulled from that schedule to be uh, put into the next update because they wanted to make it more specialer and whatnot. So they pulled them and pushed it off. So the announcement today contained no such specifics. So we may not ever get carriers. I still think it's likely, but... It's not mentioned in in uh, in the in, in Will's uh, Will Flanagan's uh, missive to the community. Uh, no specifics at all, other than last half of 2020. And See, so, even uh, saying last half, man, that's so far. You would think their PR people would be like, if you say end of the first quarter, we're still there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we can push yeah. it a little bit. Now I feel like it's going to get pushed. It's going to be 2021, and I'm going to be like, do I really want to load up Star Citizen? I, I mean, uh, Elite, I just got Star Citizen. Yeah. Is you that, know what it, I mean? Or, and and I've, we've criticized CI for uh, up and down the, the lane here, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aim some of that at Frontier in this one. It, we, I totally get the whole don't, leave, don't give somebody a deadline thing, right? I mean, development happens, delays out, all that kind of stuff. So be vague on the deadline, sure. But maybe be a little more specific on the deliverables then. Like, we're going to give you a list of things, but we're not sure when it's going to come out. But these are the things that we want to give you. Okay, well, I mean, that's fine. So we'll give you the we'll give you the fudge factor on the one, but give us some more details on the other. When you give us the fudge factor on both, you're just like, that's like, are you guys just are you guys just eating cake and playing King Shadow card games there all day? I mean, what are you doing? They're listening to our RPG all day on they're repeat. That's RPG all they're doing because, and laughing. Right, they're so distracted. Yeah, they're, they're distracted. so distracted by it. That's all clear. But I, I, and it's a hard. It's it's a hard thing to do. I, I mean, we've been talking about this for five years going now. I, I understand the motivations to not do it, but I think as a consumer, as a customer, as a as a player, I would expect some specificity on one as a trade off for vagueness on the other. Give us a feature set and no deadline, or a deadline and kind of throw your hands up on. We're not sure what's in it yet. We don't. We're not sure what's going to be done. What's going to be player ready? What's going to be bug free, reasonably bug free uh, at the time? But here's you know here's the this is going to coming out, and we'll see what makes it in. Best case scenario, we get to get we get to fly to our carrier, and then as a group fly to an atmospheric planet and land there where we'll have rain and stuff. Right, and we'll walk yeah. around that planet on our space legs. Twenty twenty one. Now that I've had some time to to think about it, right over the last couple of weeks, months, we've been chatting about this a little bit, and now that I see the timeline here, I strongly believe that what we're going to get in the latter half of twenty twenty is a colony game. We're gonna get a. We're gonna we're gonna uh, be able to fly in our elite dangerous ships. Maybe take our fleets with us somehow, and we're going to land on a planet-side surface, and we're going to play Jurassic Park uh, and and Planet Coaster on that planet, only with 
you know, farms and defense buildings and and uh, and, and manufacturing facilities and other things like that. We're gonna have we're gonna have a colony. We're gonna colonize the galaxy. Uh, I don't see and, how it could work in Elite because once you have player assets like that, um, and you have a world that is open and solo, there's no way you can protect your assets in open, especially if you're a solo player. Would there just be no consequence? You know what I mean? Would those assets be invincible? You know what I mean? I don't ever see that happening in Elite because of that. I, I strongly suspect they would be uh, they, they would be some sort of invincibility. Like the, 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 you'd have like stations ground. are now. Like you get yeah. your ass kicked if you step out of line at a station. Right. They shoot you're, you for parking funny. That's worse than Baltimore. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> they don't even do that there. It, it, it would be like that. If, if you are a player and you have a colony on a planet part of your colony package that you get from the Pilots Federation when you sign up for the colony package. When you pay your $60 for the expansion and you get a license from the from the union, from the guild, to go colonize a planet, they hand you a set of Starbase guns, like the ones <laughs> at the station. And they say, good luck, have fun, you know, don't get any Thargoids uh, eating your faces, enjoy this. And uh, if anybody tries to mess with your colony, uh, the air defenses open up and, and shred any player ship that, that tries it. I mean, it's, it's that way at ground installations now, right? If you park funny at a, at one of those little colony stations that they have in the game, uh, you get you get blown up. So having having a planet in an atmosphere, I'm going to go on a, on a limb and say that too. Having a planet in an atmosphere that you can get out of your ship and walk around in. And then there's another interface, or you zoom out above the planet in a special hollow chamber or whatever, and then you play Jurassic Park or Planet Coaster with that colony base. And then that then that populates on your planet, you know, when you get done building whatever building it is. It shows up there, and you can collect whatever resources. If you build enough hangars, you can move your 30 ships that you have stored in Denver Station out to your colony and park them there. So, I mean, I... I that's my supposition. That's my guess. And they, they should have enough. I would think that that would have enough time to do that. Because uh, the tech, they've already got the tech. The Planet Coaster stuff, the Jurassic Park stuff, they already have the tech for it. So they're, it's just a matter of reskinning it and putting the gameplay together that meshes with the universe. And maybe, fingers crossed, hooks in with the background system in some sort of coherent way that doesn't break everything. I think I think you're dreaming. I mean, I don't know. I just don't see it. We have we have a bit of a colonial system with our uh, squadrons and with the in-game factions, and I feel like adding a colony system on that would compete with it because you know what I mean. Like you're you're sure. it would be better to enhance that system, even if it was adding some kind of planetary assets. To that maybe as part of that system, but not some big thing on its own. And I don't see ever really developing large. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. Well, in it our could be little fun. system, in, in Anseeth, we have a where our Denver station is in orbit over a Earth-like. Mm -hmm. So we could, as a squadron, rather than a squadron carrier, or maybe and a squadron carrier, we can have a squadron carrier, and we can have a squadron colony, a squadron you know facility on the planet. And it's a it's a it's a player managed uh, squadron facility. And if we want to build something, it takes a mini community goal that the squadron has to contribute to hmm. before the building gets built or something. Squadrons right now can own stations, but we can can we own planetary installations? Technically speaking, our squadron does not own the station. We run our it. Player, our player, well, no, we didn't even run it. Our player minor faction, which is a complete creature of the background system, oh, I owns see. the station. 
our squadron supports it. And basically all that means, since our, the, all that support means, is that we have a screen on our squadron page that tells us how things are going in Ansith. Hmm. That's it. It doesn't really do anything. Uh, but having a colony system like I'm, I'm speculating about here could. You could have an interface with the background system at that point. But I would think that they would roll out the system first and then baby steps to connect it to the background system one bit at a time. Uh, so, because it's as we've seen, the background system is is fragile. Hmm. It uh, it's prone to leakages and breakages. But in the meantime, we're going to get a a, a small number of content updates. Some they'll be doing community goals and changing how the community goals work a little bit. Um, they're going to give us some. I'm sure they're going to build some new spaceships, and they're probably going to give us some new skins. Uh, but it's not going to be. Nothing substantial. The game, the game is not going to change much between now and the end of 2020. So it has just changed quite a bit. It's almost uh, a it delete has. to, you know, mm-hmm. almost. I mean, since it's a since its release, it's come so far. But just oh, including yeah. just this last year, there was quite a bit added. I mean, you've got you've got all kinds of multiplayer stuff now. There's yeah. more to find in space. There's way to find things. I think it's a pretty good step forward. This this is this trend that we've observed many times, and I think I first observed in Star Trek Online is that the game didn't feel like it was like in a state that they that they were proud of, that they were like, yeah, like this is what we had, this is what we had in mind all along in the mm. early whiteboard days. That didn't happen until three or four years after it came out. Yeah, it didn't really hit its stride. I feel like the the end of the Beyond update, you know, from the release at the end of 2014 to the end of 2018, about yeah, about four years. That's when it's like, here, this this is kind of what this is what we had in mind mostly on the chalkboard, hmm. on the whiteboard, uh, when we when we thought about it, when we were trying for it, and then this next round of updates in 2020 is like, okay, well, we need to do something new. We need to uh, we need to you know uh, give this a shot in the arm because by the time 2020 rolls around, it's gonna be a six year old game. That's a long time. That's a long time for a game to run. So as a what, a golden ticket holder <laughs> for Elite Dangerous. Yeah. Uh, am, am I am I getting what I paid for? You'll get it for free. Well, I know that, but yeah. a year and six a half years or later. a year. Yeah, yeah six years, six years after you paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you'll get it. Do for I free. get to pass that on to my descendants? Yeah. Uh, yes. That's an interesting question. Can you bequeath? Boy, that's just, you know what. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna open Uh-oh. up a specialty law the, practice. I peaked the lawyer gonna, in him. I'm going to open up a specialty law practice just for this. I'm going to find a way that you can bequeath your video game accounts to people. I'm going to figure out a way to make that happen and figure out a way to make this happen. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks. And that goes for Stowe, too, because I'm a lifetime subscriber there. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me but too. But see, it says right there, lifetime subscriber, so they'll probably tell you to get bent if you say, I want to give this to somebody. <laughs> they'll, they'll tell you, get bent. You're already yeah. dead. What are yeah, you going to do? Dead, See me later? We win. Yeah, we win. You gave us, I'm, you keep, gave us, I'm deleting your account now. <laughs> you gave us 200 bucks in 1999. <laughs> You're dead now. You only had 30 years of playing. Nah, sucker. <laughs> Stowe is getting old, too, man. What is that, like 10 years now? It's good. It's good. Close. I think. I think this year was the ninth year. I think this is ninth year anniversary. Yeah, I think, I think it was this t- year nine. I twenty ten. Yeah, I got a nine nine year anniversary thick token or whatever. That kind of goes back to my original point. By the time you know twenty twenty is 
a long way from now, but it's a really long way from when it was released. And so if you think about if you're using Star Trek Online as an example, they updated the ground game really shortly after. Or, uh, or they, yeah, they updated the ground game. They had the, the fleet system. And then they started doing things like the reputation system and uh, the admiralty system and the DOF yeah, system. Yeah. I mean, they ad- they added gameplay types and features fairly constantly throughout most of the first seven, eight years of the game. I don't think that they've done much recently. But if you don't add systems and don't add gameplay types and don't add new challenges, players will get bored and just drift away. Um, if they like your game, they'll come back when you do do something new, and that's good. But you have to continually compete for people's time and attention in a very crowded market. So that's a good luck. I mean, I, 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 I intend to be around for that, but how many other people will be? That's the question. And now that we're all caught up on Space Sim News, let's get caught up on Space News with Galactic Public Radio. Good evening from Galactic Public Radio on NC. I'm Spencer McDunn, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. Federal officials confirm that a fringe cult has taken the Lucifer device. For the latest, we go to Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Spencer. GPR reported last week that the Federal Intelligence Agency suspected that a radical drug cult known as the Children of Tothos was behind a raid on an unregistered laboratory that resulted in the theft of a high-yield nuclear weapon. This week, GPR can confirm that the officials believe the cult has the bomb. While publicly speculating that the Lucifer device was taken by an illicit arms dealer, senior agent Rochelle Kareem and her team focused their investigation on cult members among the senior leadership of Zlota Federal Holdings. That focus paid off in the form of a confession from Counselor Willard Morgenstern. The counselor told the FIA that he had been drugged by cult leader Barnabas Cole at a ceremony held last December. Supporting a drug-fueled cult wasn't the only questionable activity revealed by the investigation. Agent Kareem told GPR, quote, Morgan Stern was also covertly funding an unrelated criminal enterprise to develop portable nuclear weapons. While under the influence of various substances, Counselor Morgan Stern disclosed details of the research outpost to the cult. We believe that Barnabas Cole and his followers used this information to raid the outpost and obtain the Lucifer device, end quote. The FIA has been unhelpfully vague when pressed for details on the Lucifer device. While citing a potential yield of 300 megatons and calling it portable, agents have been coy about what the device looks like, how big it is, how it is stored, or how it's potentially deployed. Defense officials contacted by GPR refused to comment on the record. However, one former military officer told us, on condition of anonymity, quote, My first Sidewinder weighed 25 tons, and it was portable. You'd need 50 tons worth of old-school nukes to get 300 megatons of yield. Some of the newer stuff might get you down to 5 tons, missile-sized, easily. But if they're packing 300 MTs in a man-portable package, then the game just changed. Or maybe the press officer made a typo. Really? It could go either way. End quote. From the Zlota system for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Smooth. 
Following the revelation of Achilles Corporation robot spy scandal, technology company Macrosphere is soliciting the help of independent pilots to manufacture its proposed security device. Macrosphere CEO Tanya Sharp stated, quote, The recent Mars Tribune scandal proved that the illegal reprogramming of robots is a genuine concern. Our mech scanner will allow robot owners to discover if their trusted servants have been compromised. End quote. Robotics manufacturers have threatened lawsuits against Macrosphere, alleging intellectual property violations by end users who attempt to examine the subware of their products without permission. However, Guard Frequency Response Chief Technical Officer Michelle Schumacher told GPR, quote, Macrosphere wants aluminum fabricators and controllers delivered to the DS Leonis system. That's a parts list for a basic subware ripper. Illegal as hell, and the robot guys are right to be mad. But then why would Macrosphere need the newly mined jewels for lasers? My guess is that they're going to optically scan the data pass in real time. No software interface, and therefore not a ripper. And if I'm Macrosphere, I don't buy pre-cut crystals to give away my design plans. End quote. Pilots who wish to contribute should deliver commodities to Grandin Terminal. And in local news, another violent interfaction clash erupted this week after it was discovered that officials with ANSETH Regulatory State Party hired mercenaries to attack local commerce. Officials from Revolutionary ANSETH Free attempted to serve a federal extradition warrant on the accused ringleaders but were fired upon by party security guards. Guard Frequency Response Associate Director Richard Clemens told GPR, quote, This appears to be a case of federal jurisdiction overreach. Federal officials seem to think that just because a system is independent, it means that it is lawless. We have proved last week when we mopped up those pirates, we can police the system without President Hudson's help. GFR has lodged formal protests with the appropriate authorities. End quote. Until the next turn of the world for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Spencer McDunn. Good night. As you are pilots, I'm Commander Kinetic Impulsor from Guard Frequency Response, here with the essential tips to get you around the deep black and back home again. Today I'm briefing you on delivery missions in Elite Dangerous. We noticed some of your rooks having issues with this and scheduled some training. Earning some space bucks and helping out your faction can be the difference between your future as a half-wit, half-shot, and a pancake under the mail slot. I don't know if you've heard yet, but this outfit has gone all respectable. We've got a whole system counting on us for the basics. Commerce, security, maintenance, it works. So while there's still plenty of miscreants to murder and planets to probe, we got mouths to feed too. So I'm going to tell you throttle jockeys how to bring home a little trader bacon for fun, profit, and civic responsibility. Once you settle in at Denver Station, or 
really any station anywhere, the first thing you want to do is get in good with the locals. This is where vaporizing outlaws and selling stellar data is handy. Both of these activities will improve your reputation with the minor faction running the station. You'll know what faction that is by the helpful controlling faction label on the jobs board. At the same time, your helpful contributions will increase that faction's influence. Any group that can attract talent like you nuggets must be a quality establishment. Ooh. Oh, hang on. I just threw up in my mouth a little. Okay. Right. So, uh, what happens if you'd rather not help the controlling faction? Well, you need to ask the other factions at the station what sort of work they need done around the place. The missions they offer through the board will usually come with a variety of reward flavors. Look for the missions that have a bunch of pluses by the word reputation or by the word influence. If you want to gain reputation with that faction or help that faction gain influence in the system, then click those buttons. Because here's the thing, as you help them, they help you. As your reputation increases with the faction, you go from a basic cordial relationship to a cozy allied one. And that helps you by increasing the mission variety and mission payouts they offer. It also helps to have a higher rank with the Pilots Federation. But let's face it, Rooks, if you were already elite, you wouldn't be sitting here fogging up my canopy. So, go do some missions, get to know the neighborhood, and hit as many starports as you can because you're going to get access to their trading networks. Once you have those contacts, you can do a little profitable side business in hauling special cargoes for the glory and honor of the Anseeth system. Or some other system that's not as nice. Uh, it works like this. Take a mission from your highly influential allied faction and haul something close by. Chances are that mission won't fill up your entire cargo hold. What to do with that extra space? Go to your commodities screen. Click on the galactic average price column header all the way to the right. Select buy market and then either type in your destination system and then cycle through the stations or open your galaxy map and then select them. If you visited that station previously, you'll have current trade data from the target. Then go back to the main screen and choose export profit. If you've done it right, and if the destination is in need of stuff your station sells, you'll see it in specific detail what that destination needs and what you'll make for every ton you bring them. Load on, skids up, head out. Make your delivery and repeat that process at the other end. You really want to bring in the cash nuggets? Wing up. Those wing delivery missions are dynamite. And remember, delivery missions, not source and return. Those are for suckers, usually. A hauling mission padded out with your own spec trading and goods demanded by the destination station, that's a good way to make yourself a few credits and help make Ann Seath great again. What? It's a thing I heard. Thought it was catchy. Okay, boys and girls, put away your crayons and change to your flight suits. Skid's up in 10. See you in the deep black. Come on, Mama's not going to save you today. Let's go. You want to fly or not? Let's kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. You can open the door, and inside is uh, Adira and Valis. Hello. Valis looks up and says, ah, our next arrival. Very good. We're waiting on two more. Who's coming? Uh, one you're familiar with, uh, Mr. Martin, is uh, coming, and uh, we are also waiting Morgan. for a new addition. Mr. Barnes was not available. My last name's Morgan. Mr. Barnes wasn't available. Oh, was that? My last name's Morgan. Morgan! Sorry, not Martin. Roland Morgan. Bad, bad GM. Bad GM. 
If Red's not here, what are we going to do with all this bio waste? I'm not sure which. I'm not sure where you got any bio waste. I certainly haven't. Oh, that's just his you. gig. That's all. But uh, fortunately, my whiskey supply is safe, uh, and it's right over yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, you can help yourself to the bar if you'd like. While we're waiting. Yeah, I'm gonna go hang out over there and wait for people. Okay. So, and shortly after all that happens, a similar procedure happens at the at the front desk with uh, with you know Roland Morgan and uh, and uh, uh, Theodore Rexford. Yes. Did I get that right? Yes. All right. Um, so, I just want to make sure I got the last name right because I'm really bad at that apparently. Uh, yeah, okay. No, you're okay. Good. Uh, so uh, you both uh, announce your names at the at the receptionist. They she lets you in. She kind of looks at you to get like you know everybody else came in alone, but okay, you know you two are together. That's cool. You got everyone, a everyone does or... everything. Mm-hmm. So in you go. Your two names are side by side on the little lighted panels as they go by. You know. Those two are going to be best friends. <laughs> so uh, they're going to hold hands on the way to the office and skip. So we're we're, we're gun buddies. We got our guns together. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you head down the hallway into the office, and in there you see Adira and uh, Henry and Vallis, or uh, Adira and Ale and Vallis, and you two make your grand entrance. Yeah. I uh, uh, I kind of toss my my bag to the wall and say, hey, "Everybody, hey, beeline right to the bar. Roll a one d one hundred. Oh, Jesus Christ. <sighs> Hairspray. 67. You always roll in the 60s, man. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, it, it, as, 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 you do, as you do that, it makes a distinctive clank. And she kind of looks at you. And then she looks over at, uh, at, at uh, Rexford. And then she leans back and says, how did you two make it through customs with long guns? Just good, I guess. I don't know. Oh, just the other I, chairs or something. Something about my pretty face. I don't remember. She looks at you, shakes her head, and taps on the computer screen and goes, I just snickered at that. Oh, I see. I'll have to have a word with him. I've told him that just because people are here to see me doesn't mean they get special treatment, but he never, ever listens. He wants to be everybody's friend. I don't understand. So she goes back to tapping on some stuff. Well, thank you for all for coming. I have an unusual circumstance, uh, and I believe it will require some special and discreet handling. As you are all aware, our organization uh, has contracts with Remlock for rescue services, and you've all been helping me, with the exception of Mr. Rexford, who is uh, new to our employ, but is a sufficiently skilled pilot uh, in order to handle this job. Mr. Rexford, these three are familiar with themselves. Why don't you fill them in on some of your background? Uh, certainly. Um, I'm come here from, uh, more of the central world. Um, if you couldn't tell by my, uh, attire, um, ex-military, uh, joined up with the Federal Navy to, uh, free some slaves, uh, and, uh, quit without on my own for a couple years. And, uh, now I'm here. Mr. Rexford, uh, comes from the Federal military, uh, with which I am familiar and which this mission uh, his expertise will be valuable because we are going to do a contract for the federal military, specifically the federal army, which is my background. She Tibbity taps on some perk up when I hear that. What's that? I said I perk up and when I hear that. And she and she 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 nods and looks over at, at you, and uh, Tibbity taps on some panels and a, a big screen cop pops up above her desk, and she says as soon as as I bring up my notes. 
This is the Beetle system. It is the much smaller brother to the Beetlejuice system, and it's also much closer. Only about a hundred light years from Sol, and only about a hundred, well, about eighty light years from Anseeth. Something that has changed between uh, our previous uh, encounter and our previous uh, special mission in this is that guard frequency response is now essentially running the Anseeth system. Uh, and so our contracts with Remlock are still in place, but it's no longer our primary focus. We are uh, we have many administrative duties which we are handling with the space traffic control and uh, law enforcement regulation in the system. So it was a little unusual uh, to get this contract for a special mission to the BTEL system. She zooms in on uh, one of the planets. She says, this is, the, this is Kava. This is a small agricultural colony. Only 350,000 people live here. and it had, But yet it rates two space stations, two Coriolis space stations in orbit to transfer its very meager production. She tippy-taps some more and zooms in even farther. This is a federal military outpost. It holds no more than 100 people at any given time. It has enough landing space for essentially one federal dropship, and is mostly considered the butt end of nowhere. And she typically taps some more, and brings up a, 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 a whole bunch of fine print on the screen. This is a federal procurement contract, no bid, unsolicited, for a ridiculous amount of money. They want Remlock to send out a training crew, led personally by me, to train a platoon of people, a platoon of soldiers, to use the Remlock systems in case of a deep space accident. You mean you're coming with us on this one? She says, apparently so. That seems like a big job for someone in her, like a, a menial job for someone in her position. It does indeed. So, now, uh, do you have any enemies that we should know about that might have engineered this situation? That's where it gets a little sticky. Chitivity taps some more buttons on the screen. This, uh, the face pops up, and looks like he's stocky, like stocky bordering on overweight, um, you know, but military crew cut, you know, high and tight. Uh, looks like, you know, hard, like he's, you know, he's seen things, man, you know. Uh, so you get you kind of a headshot of this with, and he's got, you can see that it's military fatigues in the, uh, uh, in the, you know, from the, like the neck, uh, the neck area. He says, this is Colonel Timothy Mandon. I served with him off and on throughout my career. We had some interesting missions together. I trust him as I would any other competent federal officer, and we weren't particularly close, but I could always count on him, and I feel like he could always count on me. This contract was specifically requested by him. She scrolls down, to, she goes back to the little fine print stuff, and at the bottom you see like the, the digital signature of Timothy Mandon, Colonel, Federal Army. Uh, and she says, that is his post on the butt end of nowhere in the Kava, on, a, on planet Kava in the BTEL system. She says, he's a decorated and experienced officer, and why he's overseeing 100 men on an, an insignificant post is beyond me. By the time you reach Colonel, you should have a much higher uh, uh, amount of authority. I'm going to say, it sounds like he's trying to get you there for something. You guys worked together in the military before you were out of the military, Maybe he wants to talk to you about something clandestine, uh, covertly and just wants to get you there? That is one possibility. The other possibility is, uh, Roland said, is that it could be a trap. All I know is that the money is good and it's real. Half of it is already in our account as a deposit, other half on delivery. And it's just waiting for us to uh, formally accept the contract and move out. 
So at the end of the day, we're your protection detail. More than that, you're going to be my eyes and ears. I... She's, she kind of she looks uh, kind of looks around and says, most of the things that Colonel Mandan and I are still classified and will remain classified for, and she kind of ticks off on her fingers, an additional two decades. He knows things and he has seen things, and so have I, that are better left unspoken. And she says, one strategy to make sure people don't talk is to move them to a an outpost that is insignificant, out of the way, sees no traffic, remove any opportunity to interact with people. Why anyone above him with authority would let him reach out to me, given our past interactions, uh, for a contract of this magnitude, for so little work, it, it, it screams unprofessional. I don't know... So even if he is trying to contact you for something covert, he's probably screwing it up by doing it this way and it's going to attract attention? She says, that is... that. I have no data. He knows better than to do this. He's he's much too experienced to make a mistake that obvious. So either the mistake is part of the signal, or it's not him, and, it, and it's a trap, or he is sending the signal and wants it to be noticed by people other than me. And she says, I'm extremely worried about this. On the other hand, I owe him. Would I know the name from my time? Roll a... Why don't you roll a... Streetwise. Roll Streetwise check for me. You do not. Wait. Cool. Uh, floor 1910. Uh, um, check your... Uh, that, we're going we're gonna to take that as a three. What's your modifier? Let's do it. We'll just do it manually. What's your modifier on Streetwise? One. One. Okay. So it's it, so it, just, is, it, it just is a four. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you roll a four. Not a name you're familiar with. Um Valis's name you knew because of some activity that you were aware of, but there's no legends about Colonel Mandon. Can I do uh, like an insight check on Valis? Sure, good. Seven. I mean, you you've worked with her before and kept in contact with her on the rescues and stuff, so she seems like she's legit. You know, she's she's not she's not really she's not hiding anything from you, but she's not telling you everything because she's not supposed to because it's classified. I feel like the smartest thing Valis could do would probably be go ahead and make the trip, but make it obvious and send a scout out ahead of her just to contact this guy and say, Valis is coming. Should she be aware of something or do you want her to do something else? Somebody that they wouldn't notice. Oh, and then Valis could be like in transit. We are in be fact, watching Valis. We are, in fact, going to do the exact opposite. And she tippity taps on uh, the screens again. Part of the contract was that uh, we are to provide a ship capable of uh, orbital exercises and deep space exercises to practice remlock evacuations. We'll, we'll be spacing a platoon of soldiers and have them practice operating the suit uh, and the retrieval procedures uh, uh, also. Uh, so we're going to be bringing this and she brings up a, a picture um, everybody roll a spaceship piloting check Ken Shadow gets a 9 14. Gets a 14. Ah. Tira gets another 1 <laughs> don't bother spending a karma point on that one uh, Tira gets a 9 so um, uh, everybody except uh, Adira looks at that and goes oh this is a federal corvette uh, it, is, Dang. It, it is a GF it is the GFR witty rejoinder as you see from the title uh, 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 card on the screen. 
And she says, I once again prove that I am better on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> she says, this is, uh, uh, it is, this is the model available to civilians, but structurally and mechanically, it's identical to a typical federal Corvette that these troops would uh, deploy from. We have uh, fitted it instead of with cargo bays, with uh, passenger cabins, and uh, we will be practicing evacuations ostensibly from there should we actually find ourselves delivering training like the contract says, which I find to be highly unlikely, but we'll go prepared. I'm still saying quiet and kind of in the back, but when the ship comes up on the screen, I kind of nod my head and have a sort of impressed look in my face. Just that's a big old ship. That's going to be great. It is a big I think old that's ship. cool. I can't wait to fly on it. Yeah. I'm surprised the guard frequency has one. We had a cutter and I thought that uh, they were more imperially aligned. And she kind of, uh, she looks over at you and says, we're aligned with absolutely everyone. And then she looks that over. That means you're aligned with no one. <laughs> Come on. She, she gives you a wink after that. You earned a wink from Valis. Congratulations. So she looks over at uh, Theodore and says, you've had experience with uh, deployments on Corvettes? Okay, buddy. What's on your mind? We're all friendlies. So let's just... Some say he laughed when the ring bearer lost a finger, and that would be classified as schadenfrodo. But all we know is he's called the shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. Oh, God, I don't get it. I don't get why we were even letting him write freaking jokes, I get man. the joke. Hey, it's, sometimes it's he hits it out of the friggin' park, dude. <laughs> but today wasn't one. Like, I don't know. That one wasn't one. <laughs> if you're a Lord, yeah, of, the, you're a Lord a... of the Rings fan, you're laughing. I am a Lord, I'm of, a Lord of the Rings fan, fan and I'm not problem. laughing. Then I'm not either. You guys have something wrong with you. Did, are you laughing, Tony? I am not laughing. I I smirked. I, I did smirk. You I got smirked. a smirk out of Tony. That's it was not a, bad. It was Shiv. a smirk. It was a smirk. And I didn't edit it. <laughs> I didn't edit it. So Shiv, Shiv ought to be super happy about that. <laughs> and then we're on we go. A recap of last week's community questions. Any trouble with the background simulation you want to share? Are you planning a trip to the Galactic Center now that there's a gas station built? Crickets, man. Just crickets. Nobody answered our question. We got general feedback. But in general feedback, we got some of that. Turkish German writes in and says, Well, congratulations, guys. This is the first time listening to you chuckleheads in the last two years. But I have to go back and listen to the live recording after hearing the finished podcast first. Because if the outtakes are anything to go by, it's apparently all about those pods. <laughs> Joy emoji. Pod darn it. That was a good... Pod. That I was, thought it was that, over. Pod, damn it. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good show. I, yeah, that I, was fun to make. I still chuckled at even after the comments in, in uh, chat. That, that was, was, that was like, fun to make. That was a fun one to make. Glad I could be the instru mm -hmm. instrument of, of, of jocularity. Mm -hmm. uh, pod, 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 podularity? Podularity. Pog, pod, podularity. Podularity. Eleanor Rebel writes, Regarding system numbers, I don't think we're going to get 100 systems in-game or even 5 at launch. But then again, each system seems to have grown 100 times in scope in terms of things to see and do since the 5 to 100 announcement. Regarding roadmap, has Tony's determination to paint CIG's motivation for every action in the worst possible light really degenerated into arguing about the color of the deck chairs? There are more important things to worry about instead of bullet points. Has Tony's... Has it degenerated into arguing about deck chairs? That's great feedback. Yes, it has. I, it's, yeah. It well, will continue it's, it's, to degenerate until he's arguing about just whatever. 
Well, I, that's well. What have I got? What else have I got to work with? What I've got is the bullet points. I don't have a game. I'd love to have a game to yell to people about, but right now all I got is I got bullet points. I work with what I have. I work with what they give me. That's all I got. I work with what they give me. If they had deck chair color palettes and schemes, like you know swatches that I could take to like Home Depot and say I want to match this, if they had that, I'd criticize that. But they don't. They don't. So I criticize the fact that they don't have that. How about that? Now we're talking. Now I was saying they should have swatches. They should have swatches of color for deck chairs on my Idris Corvette. There. Now I'm now I'm fired up again. Super angry. And if anybody else has to ask, has Tony's determination to paint CIG's motivation for every action in the worst possible light really degenerated into this? Then yes, the answer is yes. And he just answered it again. So yes, just very clear. It's very, <laughs> very clear clearly, at this point. Very clear. <laughs> Our very own craft writes in. That's that's Lennon for for those of you who don't know. Well, he didn't write in. He actually just posted a picture of chili heat wave Doritos. I bet he thinks us Americans are too dumb to read, so he just gave us a picture. I, I, that's possible, but I think it might go the other way. The situation in Great Britain is deteriorating so much that they can only communicate in memes now. I think that's how it is. They, they the words are failing them. They can only tweet pictures now. That's that, that's all I got. So uh, yeah, spicy or uh, chili heat wave Doritos are a thing, and apparently they're wonderful. And you can have 180 grams of goodness in your nearest British chip shop. And Silver Wolf writes in and says, "Splitting hairs is how people like you and I get passionate about things." Tony, winky face. Though I'm a little disappointed in your failure to recognize the quoting of yourself in that feedback. Tisk tisk, Tony. Attention to feed detail. Hang on a second. I say so many words, and most of them are forgettable, including by me. So I mean, I'll take the criticism, but let's maybe lower your expectations. Just, just a skosh. Just a skosh. Uh, he continues, just addressing some of the back and forth on Tony's negativity regarding Star Citizen. I make digs like anyone else when Tony layers on the salt, but I do so understanding my own cognitive bias sits more on Brian's side of the fence, mostly because the concept of Squadron 42 Star Citizen is probably the closest I'll ever get to actually getting into space myself. When we get right down to it, the world's media could actually learn a hell of a lot from the awesome team at Guard Frequency. In American terms, we have a radio station in which Republicans and Democrats manage to sit down at a table together and have an adult and relatively reasoned discussion with each other and still come out as friends on the other side. Our politicians should take lessons. While some of you are certainly wrong at times, cough, Tony, cough, <laughs> winky face. You lot do a fantastic job of providing reasoned and balanced analysis of something we're all passionate about. Keep up the great work. Shiv, you're always welcome to wax enthusiastic with me regarding Star Citizen updates. Smiley face, I'm drooling over the recent Carrick updates. Tony, stop raining on the poor lad's parade. Winky face. Brian, dig into the sheet I linked. Winky face. Few notes in there about content releases coming that put together look like a pretty solid pirate gameplay. Thank you, Silver Wolf, and welcome, as always, to compare us to the ideal media property of whatever that might be. Happy to happy to take that, but that's the idea. We're gonna we're still gonna be friends, even if we disagree with stuff. That's the whole point. Creator of Myth writes in, "Congratulations on the 250th episode birthday. Wishing you the best of luck in reaching the next 250." Telescope emoji. And now for the anti-community question. What are your thoughts on the just-announced schedule news for Elite Dangerous? Will the space legs be here soon enough? Also, would it be the 500th episode or the Star Citizen Beta 1.0 that's going to launch sooner? 
Anyway, thank you all for the episodes. See you out there. Rocket emoji. That's a great question. Um, we'll get to that question here in the community question feedback in just a minute. The community question here in just a second. But <laughs> yeah, so um, but yeah, I, it, it'll be a race. I mean, it's uh, it, I I think they've got. On the one hand, I think Elite has given themselves enough time to reasonably put together a space legs environment, you know, some sort of social, I I, I bet it's a, a social zone or something. I don't think FPS, anything remotely RPG-like is coming to Elite Dangerous. I just don't think it's a, a good idea, and I don't think they have the tech for it or the or the expertise, and they shouldn't. I mean, that's not, what that's not where their heads are. But I think, but it'll be a race to see if Squadron 42 comes out or the next Elite update comes out. Not that it's a toss-up on that. So we'll see. And on the episode number, what happens when it comes out? Well, we started in December 2013. We started this show uh, because we thought that's when the hangar, when the dogfighting module is going to release in Star Citizen. And we figured we'll have something to talk about. Well, here we are. <laughs> 250 episodes later, and we're still... Couple of format changes, couple of format and... changes, some host rotations, some additions, subtractions, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, and we're, we're still we're still arguing over bullet points because uh, that's what we had back then, and that's what we what we have now. So, but we're still here, still plan on being here. Don't see don't see any reason. I, to quit. I'm going to go for where the where the f- is Squadron Forty Two pr- pretty soon. <laughs> well, we might it might come to that. We might break that. Might we will probably. We'll probably legitimately resurrect that segment because you'll see why in the community question coming up in just a moment. Oh, another short one for me. OG Wrench writes in and says, Hal wouldn't open the pod bay doors again. We forgot Hal. We forgot to put Hal in the pod bay door. We should have put, we should have put the uh, the 2001 pod in there. Oh, that was a How total How did Ben forget Hal? I mean, I really, well, Ben. I love you, uh, man, but I'm disappointed. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Disappointed. Ben put all the other pods in there. He went back and Al, added some. Open up the pod bay doors, please. Oh, that's a, that was a total oversight ben, on my part. remember the pod bay doors, oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> that was Photoshop a great graphic the... he made, though. That was really anyway, cool what was, he did. It was all the pods. Yeah. All the pods. Except yeah, for how, was, but that's all right. Except for, yeah. That would have been tough pod to people? communicate. Were there pod people? There were pod people. All there right. was Podrick from Game of Thrones. There were Tide Pods. Uh, there was the pods moving, uh, you know, storage container uh, thing. There were there's a pea pod. Yes, but were there Keurig pods? Yeah, Keurig pods the original... front and center, Jeff. Front and center, right. Jeff. It, it, they were they're right. prominently placed. Ben dropped more pods paid. on that cover than we did in the episode. That's right. There were so many. Yes, yeah, so many pods. Pods everywhere. Dropped liberally. Uh, all over the you place. know what? That's I get it. I'm going to take back all my criticism of Ben because I get what he was doing now. If he'd have put. How on there it would have been just too much he was going for pretty good show he expertly represented that, that's what our brand we do that is our brand that's our brand it's it's pretty he good doesn't want to overstate you don't expect it. yeah you don't you don't want too much it's, it's pretty good it's a pretty good show sorry for everything i said ben that's all right i, I think I'm, I'm sure he'll i'm sure he'll water under the bridge i'm positive positive and ken from chicago writes in and says sad you went after low-hanging fruit. You kept making such podvious puns, Winky Face. I thought you all podnobbed with a better class of comedians. Podly enough, you let me down, leaving me mired in a puddle of misery, knowing I have to take you down from off the pedestal that I placed you and have to pod you in the corner now. No, that I pod placed you. You missed that. Oh, 
Well, that I put. See now, but now it's ruined. I can't go back. They're not gonna edit that. Sorry, Ken. I've ruined. I ruined everything. Way to go, Ken. Ken. I dropped the pod. I dropped the pod, man. <laughs> uh, that is my bad. I dropped the pod on it. So before we go, though, uh, I told Henry to save this for the show, and then we never got to it. But we can get to it now. I did get a VR headset. It was on sale, so I picked one up, and I hooked it up and played some Elite Dangerous. Have you found something and to complain about, or are you being a happy person? No, it's, it's good. It's fine. It's, 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 it changes how you look at the environment in the game. It really yeah. does. The pers- it literally changes your perspective on the game with that. When your HUD is, I mean, it's 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 diegetic interface, right? I mean, it's it's rendered in the world. You know, they, when you're on the, the your screens and your uh, indicators are rendered in the world uh, as part of the game. When you see that in VR, it literally pops up. I mean, it's you you see it as a three dimensional object. I ha- I, my father-in-law came down for kind of an unexpected visit, and I, I put the headset on him, and he was standing kind of over and over off to the side here. So when I centered the HUD, he was looking at some weird angle back the over here or whatever, and I was flying with what I could see on my, my two-dimensional screen. I flew him around the station and that kind of stuff, and he was like, whoa, it was, it, was, it was kind of cool. But then he took the headset off and like, oh, crap, now it's pointing in the wrong direction. So I sat in my chair without changing the orientation of the of the – Headbound display and just put the headset display on. I was like in the panel of the cutter. Yeah, like I was, it was. It was like I was sitting on the panel of the cutter, and I was looking around at the backside of the hologram of the station that sits on your on your computer screen. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it was almost. It's like it's like somebody said, "I got a problem with my hollow emitter." You ranger, you know, random repair guy, go fix it. And I was like under the counter, on top of the counter, and looking around the backside of it. And I mean, it it really puts you in the world. This is you can see stuff this is what's cool tony what you just described land on a planet get in your srv park in front of your ship and then get out just stand up out of your chair and walk four feet to the left and you'll be standing next to your car looking at your ship on some alien planet it's amazing this is this is what i did when exploration sucked i found places to go and do that it was amazing so much cool stuff the the combat experience i think it's lost on me because of these two pieces of plastic that I got to sit in front of my face. I think I think that any sort of extra fun that I'm going to have in VR is sort of de- the, the detraction is going to be that uh, if I want to do it right, I'm going to have to order special lenses or something to sit inside the the thing and then do it. And even and even then, it I don't know that with between the screen door effects and the lowered resolution and all that kind of stuff, I don't know. If that's a superior experience as compared to my three monitor setup with track IR. I think um, it is a superior because when there is a ship here and I'm point, I'm like, it's radio. So I'm saying like, yeah, yeah. In, Make it just a picture, in your per- periphery, right? It's like, it's like up and kind of almost behind you a little bit. And in track IR, you're going to turn yourself maybe five degrees, 10 degrees, and your view is going to shift dramatically. In VR, you literally, you just look at it. Like naturally, and your controls—it's like you're driving a car. Your controls—you just follow with your controls, and you bring your ship into alignment with your view in a way that's completely natural. And I don't see how combat, even if it was less lower resolution, is not made better and easier that way. I, I think the di- the difference what you're saying there—I get what you're saying. You're, you're you're correct, but remember, you're talking to a cutter pilot. 
I'm not looking for the guy behind me. <laughs> he's, if he's behind me, he's staying behind me. And I just got to tilt my, my ship enough so that my turns can swivel around and get him. That's a good point, I guess. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. that guy. This is that whole conversation we had a little while ago about the, the three big ships versus the one ship. I'm just trying to get it so that my, my turrets can aim at him, and I'm looking at my radar for that. Get yourself like, an Asp Explorer and go fly through a canyon. I... One of the first things I did was I took the Diamondback Explorer out. That's cool. That, around. that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, my daughter, I, I put my daughter in the pilot's chair for that, and she dug it. She very much enjoyed having the VR experience with that Diamondback Explorer, being able to kind of look down. And I, I kind of we were just flying around the station. And I kind of put the station at her feet and the planet up above her. She thought that was pretty sweet. So uh, it was. So it's a. It's definitely an experience. Now, whether or not I'll make it part of my regular gameplay, I don't know. However, I did completely rearrange my desk situation so that my fourth monitor is now behind me instead of up here up front. I thought that was a new this, placement for that. Me and Jeff were yeah, talking about it, that. It, 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 is, it is. And so my uh, this is because I've rearranged all my plugs and stuff so I can just pull this monitor out because I won't use it. I'll just pull it out. And then the VR headset can just plug in. So it, it, it makes that swap a lot easier. So. I'm ready for it, uh, but I don't know if I'll... Uh, I'll have to spend some time tweaking the settings and see if I can get the... Oh, and the Samsung thing? Here's a specific complaint about Samsung. They have the, There's a manual adjustment for the distance between your uh, mm-hmm. your eyes, the, the focus point, and the minimal distance, the minimal thing, is just a little bit too wide for me, like a couple of millimeters. Like, if it could just get a little bit closer, I think it would be perfect. Mm. But I think it's just a little bit too far apart for, for my squishy face. That sucks, so. man. I was really hoping you'd enjoy it. I, I love this stuff. I, oh, I, I haven't played it. Elite flat in so long, like on a flat screen in so freaking long. I'll still do it because I really I really think that I'll be able to, you know, I don't, again, I'm not sure it'll still it'll be 100% like, like the triple monitor track IR thing, but I think that there's enough setting changes that I need to do and I need to do some homework on what settings I need to put it at. I can probably substantially improve what I see now, mm-hmm. uh, but I need to. I'll, I'll need to put in a couple hours worth of work to to, to make that go. I'll give you a tip: there is a setting when you're setting it up, you can set the resolution and whatnot. And they're talking about the resolution of your on-screen display, not your VR device. So I set that low, so my screen on Windows is real small. But then yeah. in VR, it runs much faster because it's only rendering that. So I've I've had success with that too. And super sampling yeah. should be on something if you can do it, if you can afford it. Yeah, I, like all that stuff I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to research. Yeah. And it may mean that I have to buy another video card. Oh, darn. Dude, but, I don't know, uh, man. I've run my Vive on a 1060, and it's fine. I don't know what you're on. A 1060. Okay, you'll be cool. That's, th- this was, yeah, again, I have a 1070, I'm, a 1060. I'm going to paint a word picture for everybody. This was me being very sad about maybe having to go buy another video card. <laughs> darn it. So, uh, I wonder how your wife will feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> really not, not so yeah so here's a here's a pro tip here's a pro tip from so when you're married when you're married you kind of even if there's not like like explicit ground rules after 20 years of being together you kind of have like these understandings and stuff neither she nor I nor my, my, my lovely wife and I we neither one of us spends significant amounts of money without talking to the other person first right like you know, if you if she goes and spend fifty bucks on something, I'm not gonna get my I'm not gonna get upset. It's just, you know, you just have to clear that with me. But if she were to go 
spend 150 or $200 or something, I'd be like, well, come on. You know, like that's not part of the ins and outs of what we do usually, right? So this was on sale, it was for $300. And I thought, well, you know, I didn't get a whole lot for Christmas and I'm getting another, got another client that came in and I'm just going to do some, you know, I'll just kind of do it. I probably would have got away with it. I probably would have got away with it with an eye roll, but my crucial mistake that I'm saying, I'm sending this out to all the, all the either younger kids out there or maybe just getting girlfriends or young wives. The crucial mistake was telling somebody else and not her. I told Jim, I told my son that I'd done it. <laughs> so he knew that the headset was on the way, and she didn't. I think I would have got away with it with an eye roll like, oh, boys will be boys, and your silly, stupid video game hobbies, blah, blah, blah. I probably would have gotten a couple of couple of handshakes, and the, uh, the eyes would have rolled, like, mostly back up to the back of her head. But I got, I got some... I got, I got, I got to talk into. I got to talk into. And she was right. Uh, she was a. My mistake was telling somebody else and not her. That was. It was like if. Uh, fine. If I'm gonna flout the rules, well, you know, just be prepared for those consequences. But flouting the rules and telling somebody else a secret, not her, that was a huge, <laughs> huge tactical error. Huge tactical error. So, that's just a little helpful advice from your Uncle Tony. Don't do that. Don't be me. <laughs> no new patron and no random winner. But, you know, Tony's got something he'd like to continue on with. This week's community question. Give us your best cards against kin shadow ideas. And what games do you plan on playing between now and the end of the Trump administration when we get Squadron 42 and the next Elite expansion? And otherwise, how was the show? Are we on track for a 2020 release of episode 325? Or should we scale back expectations and shoot for 260? Drop us an email, a tweet, or a comment on our show post, which you can find on our website and look us up on Discord. And that brings us to the end of episode 250 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 251 on March 12th, 2019. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist and master web slinger, Ben Sanders, our elite contributor, Baxter, and of course, our audio engineers, Mikey Lennon and Bill Hardy. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. This is Tony. Oh, good. Blue squiggles are looking good. Okay. Intro, sync one. This is Jeff. Ooh, blue squiggles look good. Uh, sync two. This is Henry. I also have blue squiggles, and they look pretty cool. Sync three. And we'll get the squiggles going here in three, two. See, smooth is very precise. He has to be precise. <clears throat> mm-hmm. However, guard frequency response, Chief Technical Officer Michelle Scaramuch. Schumacher. <laughs> Scaramooch. I, I like Scaramooch. Uh, no, no, that man no. from the Golden Gun. <clears throat>
that's the parts <clears throat> that's a parts list for basic subware ripper illegal as hell and the robot guys are right to be mad but then why would hang on time out time out time out was that you was that your star trek beeping in the background i heard star trek beepings yeah there was a there was a a uh, bridge noise i think romulans have just decloaked off your starboard bow <sighs> As I drink from my nowhere, no, no man has gone before cup. In local news, another violent interfaction dash. Ah, uh, uh, what am I reading here? It's your broadcast <clears throat> glasses. They're out of focus. Shiv wants you, you, want, yeah. wants you to do cricket. Yeah, I don't Shiv know what wants that you means. To do, like, cricket. Cr- cr- Shiv wants you like to do crickets? kin shadow doing crickets. Um. So, so, so go into your Brian space in your head and then think of what a cricket sounds like and then make that noise. Cree cree cree. That's that's all I. I have. couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier with that. I couldn't be happier with that. That's marvelous. That's marvelous. That's wonderful. Thanks to our syndication partner, the bass, and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our meow. <laughs> Somebody did that. Uh, what is that about? That was that. Well, that's like pod. That's you know they're doing. They're doing. Well, I, you know, I read the copy. Read the copy did somebody do that to us on purpose? That's awesome. Uh, yes, someone did that to you. <laughs> nice job, whoever that was, whoever you are. More special alert. 